For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? We are back for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. We got A.G. Aaron Gershon with the Cats Paws fresh off that Start Vegas trip. Got the QV1 Jalen Whitlow in here as well, dropping knowledge. Fellas, man, how's everything going? Man, it's good to be back in, in Lexington. <laughs> you, I, you take for granted how beautiful a place Lexington is sometimes. Uh, I'll just say that about the Starkville trip, not to offend anyone from down there. Uh, just uh, prefer my bluegrass state, but uh, it's good to be home. Everything good, man. Uh, you know, fresh off watching the Super Bowl and rewatching about three or four times. Uh, you know, just trying to pick up you know, what we didn't see live and everything, but uh, keeping up with Kentucky basketball, man, you know, the usual, uh, you know, getting on the field, training some quarterbacks, just, you know, same, man, just just one day at a time. And I picked the Chiefs too, man. I was like, they're going to find a way. I'm so glad you were right. <laughs> I'm so glad. That That's, that's you know, and I, I had to go with the Eagles because I was like, with the, you know, with with Patrick Mahomes' ankle and receiver being out, so it's like the Eagles got a full roster of healthy players. They're gonna, you know, it's their year. I felt like it was their year, but I, you know, I was hesitant because I was like, ah, it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. And you know, like we all uh, probably had in the back of our mind that he he was gonna make plays that kind of set them over the edge. And you know, and it's it's easy to say that Patrick Mahomes played. You know, he played this outstanding game. But if you really look at the film, uh, Jalen Hurts almost played just as good. Yeah. Uh, he had a obviously the fumble, and you know he had a couple balls that I, as a quarterback, I don't count because he threw them in double coverage, and one got close to being picked off, and the other uh, AJ Brown just made a great play. But you know, besides that, man, he he played a really good game. He's come a long way. But Patrick Mahomes, and like I tweeted yesterday. This is the best we've ever seen the position being played right now. Nobody's ever played the position quite this good. The closest has have been Aaron Rodgers in what year was that? 2014. One of those years where he yeah, just Yeah, one of those years he was ridiculous. Yeah, he just went, yeah. he just went stupid one year. Uh but he's been he's been good. But uh I think Patrick Mahomes, I gotta get an edge to him, man, because he just make it look so easy. And he, you know, and people don't really look at how athletic he is because he don't he don't look athletic. But if you watch the film when he takes off and run, he's he's never getting caught within a 15 yard 
split. Never. Even DBs. And his trainer came out and said that Patrick Mahomes is one of the fastest players he's ever trained in a, in a 15-yard split. He just don't – he don't have that breakaway, you know, extra gear. But in that first 15, 20 yards, he's just as fast as most DBs. And, you know, people yeah. don't really realize – his own trainer had to come out and say that because people always kind of – you know, saying, well, you know, he got decent speed, but he has good speed. He runs away from guys on a bum ankle. He was running away from a couple of those guys. And I think, and I think that was, that was the key. That, that one run he had where he scrambled and, and he kind of escaped like a gap right down the middle. And he broke away. Right down the gap. Yep. Like, yeah. They, they hard to beat, man. Cause a Andy Reid and Airbnb just are extremely creative. Um, you know, they always saw it on the defense. And definitely defensive line. Um, and you got the best player in, in America, the best player on the planet playing quarterback right now. So, you know, tough to beat. But I, I think, that you know, the best team that night won. I think I speak for Vinny and I to keep Eric Bianami the hell out of Washington so they don't get any confidence on that side of the ball. Because uh, there's rumors he might leave to get that play calling thing on his resume that might be one of the reasons he hasn't got a head coaching gig yet uh, it's just the, he hasn't called plays in his career yet but man uh he's got a lot he's done a lot of good stuff there him and Andy Reid that offense is just it's it's also ridiculous how they scheme up Travis Kelsey man I mean you know the ball it's it's so frustrating in any sport you know you talk about dominant pitchers in baseball talk about guys in basketball who just have a, a, a shot or a like Oscar with rebounding when you know it's gonna happen and you can't stop it and, and that's Travis Kelsey man I mean I, how he gets so wide open when you know you know, their, you know, their, their receiving core just wasn't great this year from a talent perspective. I mean, it just wasn't. You lose Tyreek Kill. It's really, it's Travis Kelsey and then guys like, you know, Scanling and Juju who are kind of getting second chances uh, after they didn't do so great in their, you know, last year with their teams. And you knew the ball was going to Travis Kelsey and you still nothing, man. It, it's just unbelievable how they scheme him up and how good, uh, how good he is. Yeah, I think, you know, schematically, man, Andy Reid and and the enemy, um, you know, I I just again, if they have a halfway decent roster moving forward, I still don't see anybody beating the Chiefs. Nah, as long as fifteen's there, <laughs> yeah, I still see the Chiefs coming out of the AFC, man. Because I mean, dude, this is the weakest you're gonna find them on offense probably this year, especially a receiver. Offensive line was pretty good. But yeah, they got a lot receiver, better. At receiver, this is the weakest you've ever you're gonna ever see them, unless they just get you know snake bit and have another injury prone year next year, and guys just being traded and you know just that type of thing. But you know, um, if you're gonna get the Chiefs, you gotta you just gotta catch them on a bad year. You gotta catch them. Patch Mahomes hurt, uh, or if the defense is just absolutely terrible, because I think what they do on offense schematically, Andy Reid. Is gonna scheme guys open. I was listening to uh, JT O'Sullivan, um, who used to play quarterback for mm -hmm. a lot of teams, and he was saying how before the game he was like, if, if Travis Kelsey, you know, catches a touchdown in this game, I'm gonna lose my, you know, <laughs> and because he was like, you you know, he's gonna get the ball. You know, they're looking to throw the ball to Travis Kelsey. He's the best uh -huh. receiver on the field. He's like, find a way to double this dude. Find a way to bracket this dude. Find a way to. And, you know, and sure enough, he goes out there, he's catching touchdown passes and, you know, making big plays right in the middle of your defense, man. That's it's tough, but they do they do such a good job of scheming them. And, um, 
you know, the quarterback can extend plays and get find a way to get the ball to him. So they just tough, man. They fun to watch. But like I said, good luck to the NFL moving forward. Because yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know how to agree. And just for the Kentucky connection, you got Darren Kennard and Phil Hoskins that both get rings because they were part of this roster. Um is Kelsey's a bad man, and they already talked oh. about this tight end ever. Is he's a garbage? Is that disrespectful to Gronk? And I'm still, I mean, Tony Gonzalez was a bad boy. Yeah. I mean, are we can, can we be anointing him to that already? I mean, I mean, he's about I'm to pass, Gronk. Gronk. yeah. I mean, like, Gronk, Gronk yeah. ain't got the ink drawn his retirement paper yet, and yeah. he's not the best ever no more. I don't know, man. It's hard because you look at those record books and Kelsey's right there or if he's ahead. I mean, you know, the Mahomes-Kelsey connection, which is it's been around, I think, what, this is year five for Mahomes as a starter, year four, four, four or five. So it's been that long, whereas Gronk and Brady played, what, a decade together and they were in the playoffs every year. Mahomes and Kelsey have more completions in the playoffs already. I mean, it's only been four or five years, and they didn't go to the Super Bowl in all those years. They, you know, it's it's incredible uh, that combination. But I, I just think, for me, with the, what sets Kelsey apart, man, is he's he's a little faster, I think, than those two guys. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I've just never seen it where a tight end like that just. And there were games Gronk took over, or at least he was just unstoppable in the red zone. But with Kelsey, man. It's the whole the whole field is open to him, and it's he's making plays, first down, second down, third and long in the red zone doesn't matter, and he's a hell of a blocker. It's just I, I don't know. There's no weakness in that guy's game. None. And, like and he's him. 33, still yeah. doing it at such a high level. I like him. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Just yeah, like no, him. I hear it for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely like him, but I think it's hard, man. It's hard for me to put him above. You know, I think Gronk is really good. I think Travis Kelsey's I think Travis Kelsey's better than Gronk. But yeah, when I, I when I think of best tight ends, man, to be honest with you, Tony Gonzalez, it's hard to eclipse him. And this is why I say that. Gronk and Kelsey got a chance to play in the epitome of what offensive football is. That's this true. is passing the football, you know, the forward pass. When you think of the forward pass in the NFL, you're gonna think of those two guys when you talk about tight end position. Because they get so many targets. They they play in offenses where it's wide open. They're getting a lot of targets. They're the feature guy. Now, Kelsey's the feature guy. Um, but at the same time, they're throwing the ball, what, 40 times a game. I mean, it's just it's just yeah. the evolution of offense. I just think if you put uh, Tony Gonzalez at 30 years old, 28, 29 years old, in this offense, he's going to do the exact same thing Kelsey's doing, if not better. I do That's believe fair. that. So I kind of that's why it's hard to all this GOAT debate, the greatest of all time. Who's the greatest? It's hard to say because it's so it, there's so many variables, so many factors. I mean, we talk about LeBron and Jordan. There's a million different variables and factors you got to factor in to determine who's the greatest because the time difference. They're playing in a totally different era. So uh, right now, yes, Travis Kelsey is, is head and shoulders better than everybody in the NFL as, oh, at tight end. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, we can we can definitely agree to that one. So, you know, this is one of those things where is he as effective if you put him on, you know, the Jets or the, you know, or the Falcons? Yeah. I think he's still a really good player. 
but I don't think I don't think we're talking about Travis Kelsey as much if he's on those teams. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But I, I think if you put Tony Gonzalez in his prime on those teams, you're still talking about him just as much. Yeah, and I, I think that has even more to do with Andy Reid than than Mahomes because I mean, obviously Kelsey was doing the same. The numbers even in some years were higher with Alex Smith. I mean, and yeah. you know, I thought Alex Smith was a good quarterback. Where Patrick Mahomes is, you know, an all time great. I think already if he hung it up right now, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So uh, yeah, it, it's just. What he does is incredible. Obviously, Gonzalez was a ton of fun to watch. So was Gronk. But uh, there are a few guys I've had more fun watching than Travis Kelsey. I mean, it's nice that he's uh, far away in the AFC West as an NFC East fan. So uh, he he's just – it's unreal. And what him and his brother are doing with that podcast is so, so darn cool. And, you know, I, I guess that sometimes during the – you know, the coverage with the Super Bowl is a little bit – much with the whole family thing and it's like all right you know they're comp- they're competing against each other but you gotta just respect the hell out of what those two do and you know you can tell how much that meant to them and that family and how genuinely happy they were for uh jason was for for travis and how it was kind of it was just such a weird kind of moment for them to you know be one of them be miserable but happy at the same time and then vice versa so uh it, that was a pretty damn cool storyline yeah, it's never happened before, so you it's, right. it's going to get overblown, and, and deserves so. I mean, if if Peyton yeah. had been able to beat the Patriots and face Eli, we wouldn't be – we would have had this conversation. Oh, my ago. God. Yeah, it would have been even higher because of the yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah, so, you know, with it being the first time, same thing, you know, two black quarterbacks playing. You, you yes. You angle as well with, with Hurts and uh, Mahomes. Just like when you had Lovey Smith and Tony Dungy, uh, yep, never happened before. It's it's gonna and, and with the the hype and cover Super Bowl gets stuff like that, storylines like that are gonna get you know even that much more coverage. That's just kind of comes with it. Going back to Gonzalez real quick, just to y'all's point, man, in two thousand four. Oh my God, the one hundred two catches, one hundred and two passes. Yeah, he caught ninety three. In 2000, to your point, Jalen, football was different. They wasn't throwing it around the yard like that. And this man was still putting up those numbers. And who is this quarterback? Trent Green? 20. <laughs> yeah, who was his, who was his I quarterback? I think it was Trent Green, right? It's, I think it was Trent Green. Oh, what, in 2000? Oh, let's see. 2000. 2004 Chiefs, right? Yeah. Yeah, Trent Green. I'm going to go back to 2000. Was Green there then too? Was it Gerbach or somebody like yeah, that? Yeah, no, it was Green. Oh, the whole time? Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, I'll tell you if he started all the games. Yeah, he started all 16. Okay. Yeah. And he also go back to 2000. He caught 93 in 2000. So let's see. The quarterback then. It was Gerbach. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, it was, yeah, two those two guys. Quarterbacks. He caught it over 90 balls from. I hadn't heard those names in so long. I mean, not Hall yeah. of Fame guys. Trent, Trent Green could nah, have the, the only reason, yeah, Trent Green, uh, Trent Green's does uh, is with Marv Albert, for, or I think it's Marv, or not Marv Albert. Who's who does football with CBS? I always uh, Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan. Okay. Uh, those two are paired up on the CBS NFL like, broadcast, but that's the retire. only time I ever hear Trent Green anymore. Like, I was like, Marv don't come out of retirement. Nah, yes. Yeah, I think he still does the NFL. Does no, it? no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Kevin, I always screw up the Alberts and Mark, uh, Kevin Harlan because I always feel like they sound kind of alike, uh, especially Kevin and uh, and Marv there. But, uh, yeah, Kevin Harlan and Trent Green are the CBS, I think, second or third team there. Cool, cool. So, um, and look, man, AG, you had 
your guy Bradbury with the hold, you know, kind of former giant holding. Dude, the, the Giants won that. Think about it. The Giants did everyone a favor, you and I a favor, at least as uh, Eagles haters. Uh, Bradbury, Giants cut him, cap casualty. He gets the game winning holding for Kansas City. And Kadarius Tony, you know, locker room issues with the Giants didn't work out. It happens. They trade him, and you know he burns the Eagles with that punt return and the the touchdown that he was left wide open on. So, you know, I had people blowing up my phone like, "Oh, you your team's so stupid for trading him." Like, one, they still made the playoffs with a rebuilding roster without him, and two, this is awesome. What do you mean? <laughs> like, we, this is awesome. We couldn't have done that to them in the Super Bowl. It's impossible, uh, obviously. So, uh, I have no issues with this at all. It, everybody's a winner right now. And one, real quick, your Giants, man. I saw where they said Dayball added his son to the staff. How do you his know? Son. Oh, his son works at Penn State, so it's possible. His so, yeah. son was a yeah. His son was an analyst at Penn State. How old is Dayball? I didn't know he had a son old enough to be. Dude, joined. he's forty-seven and has like seven or eight kids. I I don't know if you watched the NFL Honors. He was obviously named Coach of the Year, and he's listing all of his kids, and he was trying not to forget one. It was hilarious. So. Oh. Man, yeah, he's Phillip a man. Rivers in him then. Okay. Oh, he did. Yeah, he is like Phil Rivers. He is like Phil Rivers. But well, Phil, Phil I love him. Got a basketball team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dable ain't far behind. He's got six. He's wow. got six, and including, yeah, the oldest, like I said, uh, is in his twenties, and then the youngest is three. So, uh, busy man. Wow. Well, as everybody knows, this podcast is part of the Believe Podcast Network. You can get this podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, go to Believe.com, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, listen. Uh, also, our friends at the Sea of Blue put each episode on their website. Got to give props to the network at the Believe Podcast Network because they were out there in Phoenix on Radio mm-hmm. Road doing their thing. Cam Rogers and Joe DeLeon and all those guys from this network were out there on Radio Road chopping it up interviewing different people and, and just doing the whole radio road thing super bowl week and had a great time did a great job looking to do the same thing in vegas next year so big things from the lee Podcast network and you got to give them their props for for handling business out there on radio road that was cool to see absolutely yeah that's awesome you just came from starkville so gotta gotta talk about that yeah we have another quad one win, the first first one since Tennessee. Second of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um went a lot of optimism based on the way they've been playing, you know, lose at yeah. Georgia, uh struggling, bumbling, stumbling, as Chris Berman likes to say, and then they, <laughs> they go down to Starkville and and get a win against against Mississippi State when they absolutely had to have it. Yeah, no, I was at both of those games. Obviously, the Georgia game was just a disaster. I mean, there's no no better way to put it. I mean, they were flat. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. Case uh, and Wallace didn't show up when you had, uh, obviously, two guards out, and the energy on the bench was awful. And I'll get back to that in a, in a second here. But uh, uh, much better, obviously, last night. You got off to a pretty good start. Uh, and what, what I was very impressed with is kind of – you know, we saw it earlier this year in the Kansas game, right, where Kentucky would go on a run and Kansas would answer back every time. It was kind of similar to that, I thought, last night, where Kentucky was kind of the team in control. Uh, State would punch back and, you know, Kentucky had an answer every time. I mean, obviously, the end of the game has got to be a lot better, uh, you know, against teams like Tennessee, uh, even, you know, Auburn uh, and Arkansas still left, and then whatever you get in the conference tournament. 
Um, but, you know, they go on that. I think Mississippi State starts the first, second half on a 6-2 run, takes a three-point lead, and it's like, oh, boy, here we go again. And then Kentucky goes on that berserk 18-2 run. They get four straight offensive rebounds. I mean, they were just – I mean, it was probably the best seven-minute stretch of the entire season, in, in my opinion, the way they just flat-out dominated. Um, and they take a 13-point lead. And what does State do? They cut it to one. I mean, they just punched back. And, you know, the end of the game was with all the fouling, you know, Kentucky after, I, yeah, State hit a, th- a like a half court, near half court three at the end of the first half. So Cal is scared to death that they're going to hit one at the end of the game. So he's fouling every time the lead is four, three at the end of the game. You know, they got to fix that where the college basketball games last minute goes for 40 hours. It's crazy. It's exhausting. It's hard to write. But, you know, they I thought they showed some guts and the energy was much, much better. So um, and it was a great atmosphere. Look, I mean, Starkville, <laughs> as I was alluding to off the top and with you guys before, it's not uh, the most fun place in the SEC. Uh, I think it's better than Columbia, Missouri, but uh, I don't know. It's probably second to last, in my opinion. Uh, there's not much to do out there, um, but man, it was a great atmosphere. It was sold out. The fans were were loud. They brought it. You know, the whiteout. There was a kid wearing a Doug Eddard St. Peter's jersey, so they brought out all the stops to to troll Kentucky. It was uh, it was a great atmosphere in that joint. It really was. So uh, shout out to their fan base. Yeah, and uh, it was a hard fought game, man. State that they they got a real coach in Chris Jans. If they could hold on to him for a while, uh, they're, they're building something. But uh. Yeah, it was uh it was good. It was a good win for them. And I was, speaking of him, I saw where he you know, he just got there. This is his first year. And of course he came yes. from New Mexico State and we see everything oh. they got going on out there. And I was I mean, they went from winning a tournament game last year to this. To the season is shut down because you you got an unrelated hazing, a shooting. shooting. You got hazing. And so I was thinking to myself, has, has anybody asked this dude about this stuff? I said, because did yeah. he he see the writing on the wall and say, look, I gotta I gotta get on out of there. And I saw where somebody there from the Clarion Ledger had asked him and you know he kind of yes. gets uh, I hate to see it and I'm I think better days ahead and but yeah. I, I don't know if he saw all this coming, but to me, he he probably had to see some some bad stuff and like yeah. I got to I got to get why the getting is good. Yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully not, none of that follows him down to Starkville, and you know, he can kind of prove that he had nothing to do with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that was crazy, and I wasn't there for his press conference. Cal went first, and then we had to go meet the players elsewhere, so I didn't get to hear him or. Uh, any of the state guys talk. So uh, I don't know when that was brought up. I know I did see that quote though. So yeah. um, he was definitely asked about it, but yeah, that, that was wild. But, you know, Cal Perry, man, these press conferences after losses last four minutes, you know, after that George game, it takes four questions. It goes for four minutes and I was one of them. And I asked him, you know, the energy on the bench was, it was terrible. It really was. And it wasn't just when they were losing. It wasn't just like, it was from jump, and when the game was close, you know, there was a play in that Georgia game where Duthiero kind of battled and forced a jump ball on the other end. And, you know, that's the type of play where even, I don't know, lesser teams, they're getting up and they're fired up. There was nothing, you know, from the U.K. bench. So I asked about that, and Cal gave the answer of, you know, I'm looking at the court. I'm going to tell this to the team and say, you know, address it. And it was brought up again by uh, someone else. I forget, I forget who asked it last night um, on our beat. And 
He said, well, some guy in the media told me, and while not making eye contact with me at all or giving me any credit, some guy in the media told me that, you know, the bench energy was awful last week, the last game. So, I, you know, I yelled at them about it. So I'll take an assist for, for bringing the energy back to the Kentucky basketball program, uh, even though my name, according to John Calipari, is some guy in the media. But uh, and it's not like I haven't been covering him for five years. But, uh, yeah, so that was pretty funny. Um, and he, he talked for much longer, you know, after the win. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that was a that was a funny moment down there in Starkville last night. Yeah, so like you were just kind of were you just kind of keeping one eye on the bench as you watched, just because you I mean obviously yeah. throughout I guess you would every time yeah the seat at Georgia it was like we were very close to the Kentucky bench so you could see it and I you know I tweeted out that picture with like two and a half minutes left in the game. And that was right after Oscar hit a, I think a, I think it was a jumper uh, or eighteen footer that pulled them within six with you know three minutes left. So there's still plenty of time, and there was just no reaction. It was just bad all game, and you know clearly something was up because literally like Mississippi State they step they stood almost the whole game, like their energy was great the whole time. So clearly you know Calipari did address it or at least someone addressed it and. And woke them up because it was much better this time around where and I wasn't the only one who noticed at the George game. I mean, we were kind of talking about it up at Press Row, Jack Pilgrim and I, and then you know, Hunter Shelton, some of those guys I'm buddies with up there. So um I definitely wasn't the only one who noticed it wasn't without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Just uh, me trying to look for something negative. It, it was definitely something that just was negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so got to see if we can keep it going. You know, Tennessee's coming in. Uh, Kentucky more than Knoxville, you know, they want to, you know, avenge that. Yeah. They had lost some heartbreaking buzzer beaters, you know, on the road and at home. They yeah. up and beat the number one team in the country last night. With now. Two, without two starters. Yeah. yeah. It, they're a weird team, man. And it's kind of, it's a team. Look, I, I obviously Tennessee is a really good team and Rick, Rick Barnes, I would stay even with the, with the game earlier this season has Cal Perry's number. Um, but they're a good matchup for Kentucky. It's the teams that the teams that are good are good matchups for Kentucky are ones that are offensively inconsistent or challenged like Mississippi state. They came into that game, I think 315th in scoring uh, Tennessee's in like the one fifties. Um, so it's the teams that struggle on offense and Kentucky can play that grind it styled, whatever Calipari calls it, because Kentucky is not a team that's going to put 80 on the board. They'll, they're usually going to be in the high 60s and 70s, uh, and they usually play pretty bad defense, uh, but but they're able to hold their own when teams aren't making threes and teams aren't making long twos. They do a pretty good job, I think. You know, as long as they don't have a pick and roll that leaves guys wide open, I think that when they're able to match up in the paint, they do a pretty good job. And, you know, with Tennessee, um, I know, you know, they beat uh, plastic had a lot of bu- bu- buckets right underneath. But, 
you know, they don't have that shooting threat from three that's going to put a bunch of points on the board and really take you out of the game like Alabama is able to do when they're on or even um, I mean, Missouri is a great offensive team like those are, you know, Missouri is a matchup nightmare for Kentucky. They I guarantee you, Kentucky is praying they don't get Missouri again in the SEC tournament. Alabama is a matchup nightmare for Kentucky. I I would say, um, you know, just just teams that can put up a lot of points. Like if you look at like a Houston or an Iowa, those type of teams, those are teams Kentucky, like if they got to the NCAA tournament, you want to avoid. But teams like Tennessee, teams like uh, Mississippi State, teams like, you know, some of those teams in the Big 12, like TCU, uh, who are good, but don't score a bunch of points. You know, Kentucky can handle those teams. So, you know, Tennessee will definitely want to get that win back. But, you know, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere, I think, Saturday. It, it's not a night game, but you have the 96, 98, and 97, right? I think they're all going to be there. Uh, so, it's you know, the, the diehards are going to be out. Um, it's Tennessee. You know, there's going to be a lot of orange in the crowd, but still more blue. So, it's going to be raucous in there. Kentucky just got a big win. At, anytime they get a big win – you know, the fan base on the road, the fan base rewards them with the next home game. And there's only three of these home games left. So um, and, you know, as you know, as bad, I wouldn't say as bad as not Oscar Sheboy like this year has been compared to last. He might only have three more games in the Kentucky uniform. So at home. So I guarantee you fans are going to want to see him one more time, especially like on his senior night against Vandy. I think that's going to be maybe the craziest senior night of the Calipari era because there haven't been many seniors. And, you know, he's going to be – yeah, man. I mean, I don't care that he – it was hard to expect him to do what he did last year. I mean, I, I think it's it's just impossible. And obviously the defense has been a struggle. Some of the offense is taking a step back, but he's still out there averaging a double-double. And if they, if you take him off the roster, they might not have a conference win this year. So um, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the atmospheres that wrap the rest of the way should all be pretty great. Um, you know, Auburn always is a good crowd. Tennessee is going to be a great crowd. And then, you know, senior night, it's Vandy, but it's senior night. Yeah, I think, I think anybody could win um, the SEC tournament. I think anybody, oh. anybody, yeah, like yeah. I, I really do believe. I mean, no, not obviously not anybody, but I, there's a lot of teams that can win that SEC tournament. Yeah. Um, so I think you know, I think any of the top seven in the conference could win. It. Yeah, could definitely win the tournament. I mean, I I, I look at yeah. SEC, I look at SEC basketball, and you know, you, obviously you look at Alabama, you look at Auburn, uh, you know, A and M is really good too. A, yeah, A and M. Um, but I'm thinking, like, man, okay, Kentucky's already beat Tennessee. Um, we know, we know, yeah, yep, We know that they can beat these teams. So it's just come down to can they score? They got to be able to score yeah. this game. Right. Kentucky, Kentucky thrives. My my experience watching Kentucky when they're hitting open shots, they are one of the best teams in the country. Yes. When they can hit their open shots, they, you know. Obviously, you go back to 2014 uh, when you had the Harris Twins. They were hitting open shots. One thing about Calipari, he gets those guys to play tough, gritty. They drive the ball. They get the ball, try to get the ball to the rim. And if you can dish the ball out and spread the floor and hit open shots, you know, I think this team can play with anybody. Um, you know, yeah. and that, that may sound crazy to, like, the pessimist Kentucky fan, but I think just watching Kentucky play – you know, when Oscar's on and they hitting open shots, 
I'm willing to bet that they could beat anybody in the country because I, yeah. I I think they muddy the game up enough for for teams that like to play clean and smooth offensive ball. Kentucky can muddy the game up enough to beat you if they can hit their open shot. So I think anybody can win yeah. this tournament. I'm anxious to see it. Yeah, and that that's what's frustrating with Kentucky too is you know the offense has been inconsistent this year and the defense man has been you know this is going to be the lowest they're going to end up being ranked in efficiency. But the, like I was saying. When they play those teams like Tennessee, A&M in there as well, uh, that was the team that was kind of stuck there uh, when I was thinking about it. And Mississippi State, you know, the teams that defend really well, Kentucky has just a, a little bit more offense than those teams, and they can beat them because they're all defense. You know, they're offensively challenged. Kentucky is a little offensively challenged, but Kentucky, you know, they just can't. When they play a team, like I said, like when they play Missouri, who has like four shooters on the floor at a time, they just can't they can't do anything. Arkansas, you know, the teams that just shoot the ball really well from both in and out. I mean, they they struggle. But the teams that in the SEC has a lot of teams that Kentucky happens to match up well with. I think that's why, you know, they have a pretty good conference record, despite how things have kind of kind of gone. And they still have a very good chance to end up with a double bye, you know, in that conference tournament. So I think I think Kentucky matches up well with most of the SEC. Uh, really, the only two teams, if I'm Kentucky, I'm like, oh boy, we're screwed. Is <laughs> Alabama and, and Missouri? Though I still think you could. There are ways around how you could ways to, you know, if things break right. Like if Missouri has a bad shooting game, they stink defensively. Kentucky could beat them that way. If Alabama, you know, they're really good on both sides of the ball. Obviously, they're top like ten in in efficiency in the Ken Palm in both of those areas, but. If they just have an off night on one side and you can kind of go from them pound for pound, I mean, you know, they're beatable. We just saw that with Tennessee where Alabama played good defense, but they didn't have good offense and Tennessee just did a little bit more. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a path to win the SEC tournament. But you could say that, like I said, I think you could say it for the top seven in the, in the conference right now, you know, probably from, you know, starting with Alabama and then all the way down to Mississippi State, I think all you know, Texas A&M, Auburn, Tennessee, Missouri. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm missing a couple Kentucky. So Arkansas, they could all they could all make a run. It's a fun conference this year. It's not like last year where it was like eight tournament teams. Fun, but it's fun because it's there's outside. Of, I still think Alabama's a, the the top tier, and even that loss of Tennessee doesn't give me pause with that. Um, but man, it's a it's a that's why there are not many teams with a good conference record in the SEC they're all around 500 they just beat up on each other in Tennessee that I mean they they bullied Alabama they mauled them yeah muscled them all night pushed them around Alabama yeah. five six seven times couldn't even get the ball inbounds it was a struggle yeah. for anything they couldn't they couldn't breathe they couldn't get any space if you can do that to Alabama if you have the horses to do that if you have the you have the the willpower to to physically want to do that you can slow them down that yeah. was in knoxville now i mean it'd be a different story about they playing tuscaloosa sure. but they just yeah. got in their shorts all night and didn't let them breathe and and they just choked yeah. them out so that was i mean if yeah, it's tennessee maybe maybe you know people are going to look at that you know and, and see if they can yeah. try that's kind of just that's kind of the way that barnes built that roster this year man they don't have the Kennedy Chandler, who's an elite point guard, but they got so many different forwards who can muddy it up. And like you said, just beat the hell out of you on defense. Yeah. Out physical you. Yeah. They got a ton of them. 
and I mean, Josiah Jordan James was out last night. I mean, they got they got a lot of dudes that can that can play really physical. Uh, but that you know, those type of teams, Kentucky has beat this year because they have those like Oscar. As bad as he is on pick and roll, he's a. We all know how physical Oscar Sheboy is. And no one will tell you otherwise. Jacob Toppin's extremely physical. Chris Livingston's extremely physical. Um, they they got a and Lance Ware is extremely physical when he goes in the game. So you know Kentucky can muddy it up too. And I I just think Kentucky's guards when they're on, especially mostly talking Wallace, uh, Reeves, uh, and Wheeler. Are, are better than Viscovi and, and Ziegler at this point. Um, so it's going to be really interesting Saturday. We'll, obviously, the injuries on both sides, you know, will probably uh, dictate some of it, though Kentucky already did beat Tennessee without severe. Uh, but, yeah, they need to get – I think, <laughs> look, you know, severe Wheeler is such a tricky guy to evaluate because – there's definitely some flaws in this game that drive you crazy, uh, but there's so much upside. And man, they've mi- they've missed him. I mean, y- y- the turnover numbers are higher, which is crazy to think about with the turnover issues Wheeler had last season. But the turnover numbers are up. You know, Casey Wallace is being swarmed, and he's not as effective offensively. You know, Wheeler at least has the threat to get to the basket, and teams respect that and try to keep him out of the paint. So. You know, if they could get Wheeler back and obviously you want to get Frederick in there just to hopefully get him to make some shots and build some confidence. But I think that that would go a long way in helping them, you know, get this game on Saturday. But I don't know. I don't I'm not too optimistic on those guys coming back. Uh, at least I, I think Wheeler has a better shot. I don't know if Frederick's going to be back at all. I mean, at this point, we'll see. And Jalen, you can speak to this, too, especially from the football side. You know, Aaron mentioned how. You know, it was crazy and, in my opinion, unrealistic to think Oscar Shebae could duplicate what he did yeah. last year as player of the year. You got 30-plus games of film on him from last year. Everybody knows kind of how he plays. Every little weakness got dissected, got broken down. Oh, oh, he doesn't guard a pick and roll well? Oh, well, that's, we're going to pick and roll him to death. And we saw that pretty much <laughs> all year long. Oh, he has trouble with length. Oh, we throw seven footer on him and, and have trouble for him, you know, scoring in the post and, and kind of make him less effective that way. You is there's it's just people adjusted to him and he's still doing work, but now it's up to him to kind of adjust back in the whole cat and mouse thing now, since everybody was on the receiving end of what he dished out, then everybody kind of countered and tried to, you know, find ways to attack him, right? Yeah, I think I think he he's still gonna have some success because he's extremely strong. Uh, like I said, he's a physical player, like uh, Aaron said. But my thing is, I think this off season, I'm sure somebody was in his ear, but somebody should have gotten his ear. Like, look, man, you need to really work on these things. These things are gonna make you a pro, you know. Um, and I'm not sure if he really completed that task if he was given a task, and I'm sure he was. Yeah, but. Um, I- I think the thing is he rely on his physicality so much. And I think at some point he has to be able to develop what you just talked about, playing the pick and roll better, being better on the offensive side of the ball and space, um, you know, developing, a, a, you know, a feel in his game when he gets the ball in the post, that's, and he's super, he's not super close to the basket. I think he needs more. It's just a feel thing. He needs to be able to kind of differentiate 
you know, the Oscar that we know and the Oscar that he needs to be. When he gets yep. the ball, he needs to be more of a relaxed, uh, savvier player. Uh, when he gets the ball on offense, he he needs to gain some savviness. But it's hard to tell. It's hard to say that to a player who just won Player of the Year, and it's hard to you know because he's he won Player of the Year off of just brute athleticism, strength, and just you know will. Now he's you could tell he's the hardest soul of that team, uh, yeah. but he just won. You know he he just so physically gifted where uh, you know that eclipsed it and kind of covered up his deficiencies so now like you said you got teams with 30 plus games of film on them and you know the good coaches are going to find the weaknesses they're going to find like they always say um you know find the mark you know they're going to find the mark and it may be in obviously he's not a mark per se in his entire game but he has he's clearly you know deficient when it comes to the pick and roll he's clearly deficient when it comes to on offensive side of the ball, being able to create space for himself uh, away yeah. from the basket to score. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to try to push him out on offense, and then when they're going to get him in pick and rolls on defense. So that's that's what they're going to do, you know. So again, and he'll still be successful and more, and you know, more yeah. often than not because he's just so physically gifted. So if he can kind of put the two together, and I'm sure somebody's telling him this, but um, you know, if he can kind of continue to work on those because they're going to need him to score points in bunches uh, down yeah. the stretch. So, you know, hopefully they can do that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the point about kind of like having an off-season assignment because I remember this summer, all the, you know, when he made the decision to come back, not go into the NBA draft where it seemed like it would have been locked in as a second-round pick. So, obviously, now with the NIL money, when you're Oscar Shibuya at Kentucky, it's, you're going to make more on NIL. Um, but – you know, the whole talk was offense. It was, I, you got to start shooting threes. You know, all the centers in the NBA hit threes. We obviously haven't seen that at all. <laughs> He's, even though Oscar's like, oh, I hit threes all the time. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. He's, I think he might have been joking. Who knows? But, you know, so, yeah, you've obviously seen him take more 18-footers this year. Uh, like you said, teams force him outside. And, you know, I don't know what his percentage is on those mid-range shots, but they're not – it's not horrible. It could be better. Um, you know, definitely has a kind of a funny shooting motion. It never looks like it's going to go in, uh, but it does go in, uh, you know, a decent amount, but yeah, uh, defensively, you know, I, I thought, you know, Cal Perry doesn't talk that much, but he gave pretty good insight. I forget if it was a press conference after a game or if it was, you know, his radio show with Tom on Monday, um, you know, talking about how he had a heart to heart with him and said, look, you know, if you keep doing this on defense, you're not getting drafted. And then, you know, that, you know, he can come back with the COVID year next year, but, you know, you're going to be competing with Aaron Bradshaw. You're going to be, you know, that team, he's not going to, with the way they're set up for next year, it's not going to be played through Oscar. You know, it's going to be old school, school Calipari. You're going to, you know, it's going to be very, it's going to go through Wagner and, uh, and Edwards and, and those guys, it's not going to go through Bradshaw and it won't definitely wouldn't even go through Oscar if he's back next year. So, you know, he, he, I think he understands now and is making a more of an emphasis. I actually think against Georgia, the pick and roll defense was better. It was actually, he was just getting beat one-on-one by Braylon Bridges and obviously Tulo Smith, man, he's probably the best big in the sec outside of Castleton who's now done for the year. So we won't get that Shibway Castleton matchup again next week uh, at Florida, but yeah, I definitely think there's a, still 
that's what makes him special though, man. Like you said, he's the player of the year. It's hard to nitpick at him, but there are clear areas in this game that can get better. And that's a scary thought. I mean, if he can improve that before the year is over, I mean, this team, you know, this guy's still the limit. That That is the one beauty if, to having a down year this year of all years. You, one, you can still get in the dance. And two, if you get in the dance, who scares you? I mean, you just see Purdue just lost three to four, and they were number one for most – they've been the number one, definitely the most of any team this season. Alabama's number one, but, you know, they have two losses in their last couple of games now, uh, you know, obviously losing to Tennessee, and they got just – punked by Oklahoma uh, in Norman. Um, Houston plays in an awful conference. I mean, they're a good team, but they're, you know, they're still in the, in the American. That's an awful conference basketball wise. So there's just no one elite in college basketball. So if you get in, man, as long as you don't run into like an offensive buzzsaw, uh, I mean, like I wouldn't want to play UCLA again. Uh, that's just me, like teams like that. But you have a shot, and if Oscar Shibai, you know, can get some def- some of those defensive areas cleaned up, and you know, keep hitting shots outside and getting in in the paint and making more consistently, you know, this team's only going to get better. And there's only five games to do it, plus the SEC tournament, but the opportunities are there. And like you said, you he did all this, and he's got all these accolades, and offensively he's still raw he's not polished it's not like he's got an array of post moves right it's not like he's got a dream shake he's not like he's got a you know he he's when he jab steps nobody really bites because he's not he's not going anywhere they don't they don't even react to it they just stand there and wait for him to do the jump hook or whatever he's gonna do so he, there's a lot of things he can add because he's still as good as he is he's still raw and still got a high ceiling if he can tap into it like you guys have mentioned, which is yeah. is crazy. I think the, I yeah. think the coolest thing is, no matter how this year end up, I think he should consider coming back. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's tricky. Yeah, I I really do believe because at the end of the day, there's nobody coming in, into Kentucky next year who's going to rebound like him. There's nobody coming in who's going to be physically, you know, as imposing as him if he's able to develop his game on offense. Now, if he can't, then it's it's a lost cause. But if he could come back and just develop his game on offense, you're going to make a lot of damn money coming back, you know, from NIL. You know, just yeah. that that's a given. You're going to do that. You're going to make a lot of money. Plus, you know, with the team that's coming next year, I mean, I mean I'm sure Calipari would love to have an Oscar down there. Uh, you know, in the paint doing some damage. So I don't know, man. It, 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 he should he should definitely consider it if he got that year. Man, if he could improve offensively as a shooter, there's one, you know, the only spot on that team where you have a question mark as far as who's going to be there is the fourth position. And that we're kind of kind of assuming it's going to be Chris Livingston, you know, assuming he comes back and they just kind of use the small ball four. But, you know, Toppin's gone. That, that's that's happening, no doubt about it. Aaron Bradshaw, seven foot, top ranked center. He's gonna play. Uganda Nessu is coming back. They want to play him more right now. So he, you know, the old Lance Ware on the bench again, assuming he doesn't transfer. I mean, <laughs> very hypothetically, if Oscar completely improved his outside shooting and you know, still you know, can still be used in the paint, 
he could come back and play the four and maybe that helps his draft stock because he could do a little bit more. That's a big hypothetical, but it's going to, I am very fascinated to see what happens with Oscar because obviously this was made a big, it was made a very big deal that he's coming back for a senior year. He talked about how he wanted to be a lottery pick. That's not going to happen. I'm not sure as good a, a kid he is, as amazing of a talent he is. I don't just in this era, the NBA, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. Probably won't. I'm not even sure if he'll ever be a first round pick. He might not even be a draft pick. I, I mean, that's just the sad state of affairs. With he's just a great college player, but it it is going to be it's going to be very similar. I think last year we kind of knew he was coming back. I don't think anyone had that much of a doubt. You know, as soon as the NIL stuff got figured out, because if if it weren't for getting, you know, obviously he's you know from the Congo, whatever his you know, situation citizenship wise, there were issues with the NIL. He wasn't able to profit at all last season until, uh, you know, until he was able to get that firmed up and know he was a for sure. He was going to be able to take the money that he deserved. Um, I think he would have gone to the NBA and just taken that, you know, second round money, but it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see what that kid does because he doesn't really fit into what they built for next year's roster. I don't think anyone could have imagined it'd even be a possibility he'd be coming back. And obviously you go out and sign Aaron Bradshaw. And part of that obviously attracts DJ Wagner. You bring him in their high school teammates, but Hey, I mean, that's the one route I could see where he could still make a big impact and, you know, be a solidified I mean, like you said, I mean, there's never going to be a team that's going to be in college, at least, uh, that can't, you know, every team could use Oscar Sheboy and be better with Oscar Sheboy on it. But it's just very, there is fit that has to be considered and stuff like that. So that's the one scenario I could say, oh, yeah, if he if he improved his offensive game, they, they don't have a starting four right now. Uh, that would make it a little tricky with Chris Livingston. Maybe Chris goes the Bryce Hopkins route and transfers and kind of breaks out somewhere else. But it's fun to think about. That's always, you know, roster building is when you're not the one doing it and you're not stressing over it, it's fun to play hypothetical. Yeah. yeah. Quote, Tony Delk, who part of the 96 championship team, who if his schedule allowed, will be in Lexington this weekend. Yeah. We hosted this podcast together. He will tell you that, you know, fans and and media may look at, oh, look who's coming in next year. Look who's coming in next year. The players on the team, you know, he they brought in Ron Mercer and Derek Anderson. He, look, I've already been in the system. I've been in the weight room. I've been <laughs> in the program. That's that's nice, but I'm I'm not sweating this hot shot freshman coming in. That's that's the way the players. Now you have the transfer portal too. Inside. So Oscar won't be sweating, you know, Bradshaw and all that because no. he's in the program. He's been player of the year. We're all hyping up the next class and all that, but the guys that are in there, Dalen, yeah. you know about it more than us. You know, yeah, okay. Five-star running back. Oh, all right. Well, fine. You know, you know, we'll see you. I'll see you out here in this practice court every day. That's basically what – that was Tony Doug's mentality. Yeah. So, and that's – if Oscar does come back, that'll be his mentality too. That's we'll be point. looking at it from a different – oh, look. Oh, oh, this next year, next year. Okay. Fine. You know, so that's – yeah. Yeah. How do you think Jatan McLean's feeling right now? That's the one guy on the football team I think that most applies to. Yeah, and I, I'm sure they're doing everything in their power to keep him on their roster. But, um, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where 
honestly, players get tired of hearing it, man. They they don't want to hear that, you know, and fans don't see it from that perspective. So they'll walk up to you like, man, look, we have, you know, what you think about so-and-so coming in? I can't wait. And in the back of your mind, you like, you don't give a damn. Like, you, he got to come in and, and and work. He's coming from high school. Oh. He's this big boy ball now. So Oscar's the player of the year. I'm sure he could care less who's coming in because, they. I mean, you know, he's the player of the year. He's he's the guy. So, you know, I think, you know, and, and, and uh, the fit is a thing, right? How can I fit him into what next year's structure is going to be? Next year's structure is going to be night and day different from this year's structure. But how do we fit our best player proven to be our best player into the structure that we're going to use next year? All right. It's an easier fit if he can evolve his game. Right. So, he, you know, how do we evolve his game to fit into what we need to win a national championship? So that's the thing, you know, and I think being able to make shots, um, you know, being able to put the ball on the floor, and get to the rim from a distance is going to be evolving his game. You know, I think. The defensive thing, it has to be a mental thing. Uh, it can't be physical because it, it's, it's no way it's physical with him. It's not physical. It's coaching or it's just, you know, you know, does he not understand what he's doing? Is to get what it was to get. I mean, I don't know. It has to be something on that end. It's, we know it's not physical with that guy. So it got to be psychological or got to be coaching, right? Offensive side of the ball is all psychological. It's all, off, it's all confidence on the offensive side of the ball. You know, it's just that's just what it is. You know, that's why you get teams who go on runs. That's why, you know, baseball and basketball is a game of runs. Who's the hot team right now? Because it's a confidence level that they have. Something turned on their confidence level and they're clicking at the right time. That's how you win in these sports, you know. So uh, and a little bit of football, too. But football is a little bit different animal. But uh, definitely in basketball and baseball. Are you clicking at the right time? Can you get? Uh, can you get those those balls to go through the net at the right time of the year against the right opponent? It, it don't count when you're playing, you know, I don't know, who, who's the, where was the worst team in the SEC. They don't really see it like that from a player's perspective. Yeah, when you yeah. drill Actually, shot, LSU only has one win now. Yeah, so Saturday when those guys are drilling shots in the second half, that that's a turn on for the whole team. Because now you get the, you know, so Oscar needs to see that happen. You know, he needs to, he needs an all season to see that happen. He need, you know, or it may be this season where you see a couple of shots go through and he just light fire. He need to see that happen because that's, that's what's going to get the ball rolling when it comes to finding that rhythm. It's a confidence level. It's a rhythm that you have on offense um, that, that, you know, allows you to be able to, you know, score the ball at the end of the day. So we'll see if they can develop that. Uh, hopefully they can. It'll be great if it can come this weekend against a really good Tennessee team. That'll that'll light a fire uh, under that basketball team for sure. And we yeah, talked about absolutely. all the teams beating each other up, and you know Texas A and M and and Tennessee and Missouri and Arkansas and all that. We gotta put a little respect on Vanderbilt's name. Uh, Florida just lost their big man in Castleton, which is gonna be a blow. Liam now, and he is tearing it up. And Vanderbilt is hot and. They're gonna come in the rub, you know, Whew. with with a lot of confidence because, you know, they're 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 on a nice little run. They're beating teams. They got the buzzer beater over Tennessee. They got they got they stacking wins now. Uh, yeah, so, you know they're they're yeah. a really different team now with that big dude back in the middle, and he can step out and hit threes. He's blocking shots. He's dunking on people. 
he's he's yeah he's back and he's not rusty he's he's doing his thing for them yeah and not only that they're gonna come you're right they're gonna come in confident jerry stackhouse i don't know if you've seen it him and cal hate each other man i mean this last game when uh, down at nashville was the first time they haven't exchanged words since Stax has been the coach at Vandy. I mean, those two always get into it. Uh, they got into it pretty good at the SEC tournament last year. They got into it during, I forget which, I think it was the home game last year. But, you know, obviously Stack hasn't beaten Kentucky yet since he's been there. So, you know, they're going to want to do that. And, I mean, Vanderbilt, they're kind of, they're in a similar situation to where they were in last year where they were, you know, they started out awful. They had some injuries and then they got really hot and they went on a run late in the year and, you know, went, uh, won some games in the SEC tournament and then ended up, you know, making a pretty good run in the NIT. So, you know, obviously their standards uh, of hot are a lot different than what we think uh, of Kentucky. But yeah, there is not, you know, these last five games, you could, <laughs> they're tough, man. It's probably as hard a draw as you could get, you know, outside of Alabama and A&M replacing Vandy. I mean, you know, to have to play Tennessee, obviously, again, is really tough. Having to go to Florida is, you know, even without Castleton playing down there is never easy. Um, Auburn is <laughs> what they did to Missouri the other night was ridiculous. Uh, Vandy's playing their best ball of the year. And then, you know, Arkansas slaughtered Kentucky and they're getting Nick Smith back. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough last five games, which will make or break them. But if they could just win. Really, at this point, when you look at the bubble and teams like North Carolina who are 0-9 in quad one, and if you could come away and win two out of four of those quad one games and beat Vandy, finish three and two, and win, you know, don't go one and done at the SEC tournament. You know, if you get a double bye, you win one and get to the semis. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about their chances to make it. You know, would it avoid Dayton, which would be dreaded, you know, the first four? I don't know, but it would at least get you in in the dance when it didn't look like you were going to get in. So it's going to be – this is going to be a fascinating last five games. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. Sure, a little football on the way out, Jalen, man. We we saw where Ramon Jefferson gets a seventh year of eligibility, and you talked about how – That boy, that boy my age. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he played against my dad's high school. He's a New York City kid, so like I've known his name since I was in high school. Wow, unbelievable! So hopefully, man, just to see the kid get a season in, crazy, terrible how, you know. Yeah. I mean, the way it went last year was just so unfortunate. And Jalen, you talked about how so much has changed since you've been to Lexington. Look for y'all listening. DM this man your restaurant recommendations. Keep doing that. Nutter Fieldhouse is getting renovated, so that is going to be different by the time you come back to Lexington as well. They hope it'll be complete by the time practice starts back in August. So, man, just add that to the list of stuff that has changed since you were in Lexington. Yeah. Okay, you said are you saying the uh, indoor facility? Yeah, Nutter. Yeah. Okay, when I think when I think about Nutter, I automatically think about. For some reason, like the the old football facility. Oh but, yeah, that is the old one too, right? Yeah, yeah it's the name. The name was Nutter too, but yeah, that that you know, it's about time, man. You know, I remember when I was at Kentucky, uh, Stoops griping about it. How, <laughs> I mean, you got the end zones cut off. I mean, we could never really have a true scrimmage in there, you know, because it just wasn't big enough. Um, right. So, you know, hopefully they can, you know, they can get that done where that thing could be, you know, you know, suited and booted yeah. like the rest of the SEC teams. Uh, half so even that, Vandy's that, was sick, yeah. Now. Yeah, I heard, I heard Vandy's nice, 
I've I've been in Alabama. It's nice. Oh, uh, where else I've been? I know Florida's. I mean, nice. I mean, yeah, look, Tennessee has Tennessee. One. Is, yeah. yeah, you know, I'll go. I'll go check that out this spring. Uh, but you know, I'm sure you know most people's pretty nice. So they gotta they gotta do that, man. And it's it's yeah. it's way overdue. Uh, but you know, but back to the Ramon Jefferson thing. I think that's you know, again, that. That backfield going to be stacked, man. I mean, whew, it, I don't want to throw. You know, I'm not going to throw any. Uh, I'm not going to throw any. 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 Uh, you know, I'm not going to. Th- I'm not going to say anything to jinx what they got going on. But it's it, it's a momentum building. You can feel it. You know, from afar, it's just they got a certain momentum building on offense where you know if they can put that quarterback thing together and 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 O line is the most important. They can piece that thing together and make it what it needs to be. Um, they got a, they got a chance to make some noise, man. You know they yeah. got. I think Stoops Stoops are going. They're going to make stops on defense. You know, Always. They, depending on you know there there's a meter of how good they can be. Um, but they're always going to kind of fall into that good side of the meter. Sometimes great. So you know they're going to be in that area. It's always the offense they got to put it together, right? And it's going to come down to can they throw the ball efficiently. When Kentucky football throws the ball efficiently, they have better seasons. Just go back and look at it. I mean, now you can look at a couple of those years where, you know, Lynn Bowden and, and uh, you know, they just ran all over everybody. But when Kentucky football throws the ball efficiently, they got a chance to beat everybody. Um, now, Georgia, I don't know yet, but everybody else, they got a chance to beat, you know, just being, you know, completely yep. honest. You know, I think Tennessee is going to be losing a lot. Uh, South Carolina, uh, you know, I don't think they have a better roster than Kentucky. Um, you know, so you look at these teams and, you know, Florida, I don't know about Florida. I think they they kind of, you know, I don't know what's going on, going on down there in Gainesville. But, man, it, this could be an exciting year. So I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see how they uh, rotate those guys in the backfield because Jatan McClain has to play. I mean, he, I, I think he helps the team in the passing game better than the rest of those guys. So he has to play. You know, he's a good, you know, what – a lot of people like the term scat back, um, but he can carry the ball in between the tackles too. So he's that Swiss army knife. I think, and again, another off season where he's going to get better. I think a better offensive system that we're going to see, uh, you know, I'm excited to see it, man. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how they develop at quarterback behind Leary. That's the key. Yeah. Can you develop behind him? It's, it's going to be big too. Yeah. Well, I think what's really interesting, you talk about the momentum, you know, Will Levis was always a guy who people never really respected, really outside of Lexington. Uh, he was a guy that everyone has deemed overrated, and obviously we'll see how it goes in the pros with him. Obviously wish him the best. But you look at every list of Devin Larry, and I know it's just opinion, but there ain't no disrespect on that kid. I mean, every single list, he's the second rank, like incoming or just the second best quarterback in the SEC going into the year. And I mean, part of that is due to, you know, Alabama's going to have a new starter. Joe Milton hasn't been a starter for a full season at Tennessee. Uh, Florida's going to have a new starter. There's going to be a lot of new starters in the SEC this year. Uh, And really Spencer Rattler's the only, I mean, the way he played at the end of the year, he's really the only established guy uh, that's returning. So, Leary, you know, if they could keep him upright and healthy, you know, the, the respect he's already earning from guys who have probably watched him more than me, to be honest with you. I mean, I've only gotten to watch it's in pieces of some of the games he's played. I haven't really got to dive fully in yet with basketball going on. 
yeah, they, if they keep that kid healthy and the offensive line improves, you know, the defense, like you said, Jalen, is going to be what it is. It's going to be pretty darn good. Um, outside of Georgia and Alabama, I think, <laughs> at least on paper, this team has a chance to at least have a chance to win every game they play in. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see just how good Leary is and, you know, how this offense bounces back with Liam Cohen back under, you know, under the controls. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's real quick. I think it's extremely important to, like I said, develop behind yeah. injury. And I say God that forbid that injury happens. I say that because the injury, but another thing is you give Liam Cohen more confidence to run him. Maybe once yes. or twice a game. And that that changes the way a, def- a defense have to defend you. If you right. can get Leary to pull the ball and run a designed run where he's reading a defensive end or reading a linebacker, and he can pull the ball and get you 9, 10, 15, you know, or more, that's butter. You know, if he can get you more, that's even better. Um, I think I think uh, you can give your offensive coordinator, you can give Stoops a kind of a peace of mind. Okay, our backup has developed to a point where if he had to play, we can still pull this game out. They have to have that because now you just opened up a whole other world in your offensive playbook. I think it, the, the world changes. Now you got running backs are getting clearer running. Now I'm not saying he's going to be Jalen Hurts, but go back and watch the 49ers and Eagles. Go back and watch. What's the linebacker for the 49ers? 54. Warner. Uh, Fred Warner. Warner. He's like – this. the ball is inside of the 10-yard line. I mean, he's honoring Jalen Hurts so much that he's not flowing at all towards the run. He's looking yeah. for the pull, and now you're opening the seams in the middle. You're opening the A and B gap where running back can hit downhill and, and get going. So – it's going to change the game if Leary can carry the ball once or twice a game. I'm not saying, you know, just catch and run straight downhill, but some type of deception where you can get the defense going lateral, east and west, and have him be able to pull the ball and run to space if you can create space for him. That's going to change the way the season is portrayed on the offensive side of the ball. I, I think that's the most important – outside of the putting the offensive line together, that's the most important thing is being able to have confidence in your backup. Because once you got confidence in your backup, you got confidence to run your quarterback a couple times, and and a defense have to spend another you know three hours out of your week just game planning for one or two plays that where the quarterback can actually pull the ball and run, right? That's how you keep defensive coordinators up at night. I think that's extremely important, and if, if we see that, I expect to uh, see a lot of good offense, you know, in the fall. So we'll see. I'm I'm anxious to see it. Uh, I'm sure you won't see any of it in the spring, but I'll measure to see how that I think develops, uh, you know, moving forward. We even talked about it with no spring game. We all we said it off air. I mean, this they weren't going to show anything anyway, and they probably like, yeah, nobody's going to see Leary until the to the fall now. So it was a little gamesmanship, and you know, maybe they could have had one, but you know, we all talked about it a few weeks ago when they decided not to have it. Yeah, are y'all gonna have? football withdrawal or are y'all gonna slide into the xfl to start saturday and then <laughs> XFL that starts in a couple months are you gonna be watching that Jalen? yeah I'm, I'm gonna give it a try man you know i'm gonna <laughs> give it a try i'm not gonna lie to yeah. you i watched a couple of those was the usfl games uh last year yeah i think so i ain't gonna lie man i thought about coming out of retirement the quarterback <laughs> was the quarterback <laughs> play was extremely was the, bad. that was the league that was exclusively in birmingham right USFL. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the quarterback play, no disrespect to any of those guys. Oh, no, it was hard. But the, but the quarterback was play hard. was bad, you know, and I'm not, I'm, 
I, I legit thought about me and my brother watching like, damn, I should like suit up right now. Like, you know, it was bad. I, I know I could do what they what they doing, man. It was yeah, it was bad. You know, so uh, I'm gonna give the NFL a try. I know you got guys like AJ McCarron, who's mm-hmm. I, who I think is a solid quarterback. Uh, you got a couple other big names, Jordan Tomu, who I think mm-hmm. is solid. Uh, who used to play for Ole Miss? Um, ben Zanucci. Yeah, yeah. Who's 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 more than solid? He's a he's a he's an NFL quarterback. He's a, he's uh, a back. He was a number two quarterback for a while. Yeah. Absolutely. So so I, I'm I'm gonna yeah. give it a, I'm gonna give it an honest shot. See if Dwayne the Rock Johnson can put together um, and, and see and see what happens, man. I I think it'll be better than the USFL. I think just by just sheer star power, you know the names. So I think it'll be. I think it'll be something yeah. to uh something to at least, you know, look at a little bit. The only one of these like whatever spin-off leagues that whatever you want to call it that like I really really got into was the one I think it was the Elite Alliance American Football League, the one where yeah. Yeah. The, the first one that did it and it got they went it was actually like it was a real entertaining league i mean not only i mean did you have some st- like big names obviously like johnny manzel and connor cooking it but you had there were some high quality football games there was that st louis team where they played at the dome you know in st louis where obviously the rams used to play and they were almost sold out it was a real atmosphere so uh i think the quarterback from old miss that used to you know the, i forget who it was um but he had a really good game against UK and threw a touchdown to win it to DK Metcalf. And they also had AJ Brown on that squad. Jordan Tomu. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, that was, that was the most fun I've ever had watching one of those, you know, these leagues, but uh, I'll definitely give it a shot. And uh, if there's some, you know, some good football, I'll I'll keep tuning in. If it's like, like you said, Jalen, the quarterback plays stinks and it's hard to watch. Uh, I probably will be focusing on my baseball, but uh, yeah, we'll that, see. That, that, that's what I meant. The Alliance League that was that was two years yeah. ago. That, that was, was two, fun, yeah. The Alliance that was 2019, that was 2019, yeah, yeah. And, but I watched I, maybe I just caught a bad game and I caught a what's the quarterback they used to play for Ohio State? Um, one that championship at Ohio State in 14 15. Uh, quarterback Cardell Jones. I, Cardell Jones. I, I, caught, yes. I caught one of those games, man, and I'm like, bro. Now it could be, it could have been the system, it could have been a lot of things, but I was like, yeah, I'm not watching this. But then I, oh, you know, I, yeah, that was, I think that was the XFL. I had like three games, then COVID hit and they shut. Yeah, yeah. It was like he was like he played for the Washington team. Yeah, I, DC defenders. One, yeah, 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 yeah. One, one of those, one of those leagues, man. And I was like, man, yeah, this is not good. But you know, again, I'm I, I I'm gonna sit down and give it a try. Um, and you know, look, I have no room to, uh, you know, critique these guys, these quarterbacks like that. But at the same time, I it's it's hard to go from watching playoff NFL football to go and watch, you know, what I'm saying, and watching some of that, watching Patrick Mahomes he's, to going to, you know, that's that's tough to do, man. Yeah, Cardinal Jones is still, he's playing Arena Football League still. How about that? In Massachusetts yeah. Pirates. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. There's there's options. There's there's there doesn't have to be football withdrawal if people don't want to have football withdrawal. Yeah. They can jump and, right in this Saturday, and then yeah. USFL coming in a couple months. So yeah. the last thing I'll say though, the NFL has made it so nice where really outside of April and May, there's something going on. Or not April. The draft is in April, dummy. Really, just May and 
parts of June, there's nothing going on because free agency is crazy. Uh, obviously, there's a bunch of trades now, especially with wide receivers. The draft is probably my favorite non-action like sporting event there is. I uh, love the NFL draft. I will watch all three days of it, every pick if I could. Um, so, yeah, there's there's still plenty of football going around, and we're going to get spring ball here uh, in a couple weeks, two weeks, three weeks. Real, so should yeah, be real quick, real quick, I know Jeff Bidette, uh, he plays in the XFL. I think yes. he, I think he plays for the the Vegas team. And uh and, and Maxwell Smith just got the quarterback coaching job at uh EKU. EKU. So, you know, yeah. So shout out to those guys, man. Yeah, that's right. Appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, and another a former UK receiver got the OC job at uh Notre Dame. Uh Jared Park uh Jared Parker. Is it Jared? Is that how he pronounced his first name? It was before at my Notre, time. But at Notre Dame? Yeah. I hadn't seen that. Yeah, because uh yeah, that just broke uh last night. Yeah, they're obviously uh their OC went to Bama, so it was open. Tommy Reese oh. going to Bama. So yeah, uh, uh, yeah. they promoted a tight ends coach, right? Yes, who's a UK alum. Yeah. yeah that's right. You're right. That's right. So, man, so it's like you people doing all kinds of stuff, man. Yep. Guys winning Super Bowl rings, getting promoted offensive. Absolutely. Players. Yeah, all kinds of stuff, man. Good stuff. And we try to touch on all of it in this episode, man. We crammed a lot in. Oh, we got the NBA All-Star stuff coming on. You know, Tyler Heroes in the three-point contest. So that's a UK name to watch this weekend. Stay I, right. I wish I wish Shaden Sharp was still doing the dunk contest. As salty as UK fans might be. Have, did you see that one poster he put someone on the other night? Yes. Like this week? Oh, my God. Bad man. Yeah. Sorry, Kentucky fans, but I had to. I had to bring the name up. Yeah, we just just gotta let that go, man. Don't 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 have that hate in your heart and just let it just eat you up inside. You just gotta move on. He he, <laughs> he came, he went, he didn't play. He made a business decision. He made a business decision. Move on, man. Um, good stuff, man. And we'll get this episode out for everybody, and we'll see y'all. Next week, uh, you know, we we maneuvering because we got another game on Wednesday. So we'll get together and see what works and, and come at everybody with another episode again next week. But for AG, Aaron Gershon, Jalen Whitlow, this is Vinny Hardy with another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Hope y'all enjoy it. We'll see y'all next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.